Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 9. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We saw a true conversion in the life of Saul of Tarsus. You know, if you were with us, Acts chapter 9, I better turn there myself in my Bible. I ain't there yet. Earlier in the chapter, were you with us last week? We talked about Saul, who later's name is going to be changed to Paul. He was a man who hated the church. He hated Jesus. He hated Christians. And because of that hatred of Christians, he did everything he could in his power to destroy Christians, our brothers and sisters, might I add. And so he's making a trip from Jerusalem to Damascus. And you know the story in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. He's making this trip from Jerusalem to Damascus. And while on the road to Damascus, probably fighting in his heart because he heard the words of Stephen. And remember, I told you that the words of Stephen affected him in such a powerful way that it just stirred him up and he never forgot about it. And we can see that as we look through the book of Acts and look through the book of First Corinthians and through Galatians, we can hear that heart that he never forgot those words that Stephen spoke as they were heralding the stones on Stephen's head. And Stephen looks up and says, Father, forgive them they don't know what they're doing. And it stirred him up. And I'm confident that on the road to Damascus, he's fighting in his heart over the words that he had just heard from Stephen. And the Bible says that it was at that time that a bright light shone and Saul was blinded. And he hears a voice coming out of the heaven saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? He's probably saying, who are you, Lord? The same Lord that Stephen was praying to and we were putting the stones on his head, that Lord. Who art thou, Lord? And Jesus said, I am Jesus. And Saul said, what do you want me to do? Jesus said, go to Damascus. And it was at that same time, you know the story if you were with us, at that same time, God was speaking to a man named Ananias in a vision. And God told him that there was a man named Saul praying. And God told Ananias, I want you to go to him, for he is a chosen vessel. And God said, I'm going to show him the things that he must suffer for my namesake. Well, Ananias went, he found Saul praying. He laid hands on Saul to receive his sight. And Saul was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that scales fell from his eyes. And when that happened, Saul said, could somebody get me something to eat? Which to me is proof that he was a real Christian. (laughs) Christian folk like to eat, don't they? Linda was talking in the first service about her mom and her home cooking and stuff like that. She was making me hungry. I'm about to pass out. Somebody please get me some pie. Real Christians like to eat. Say amen, saints. You know that's right. That's why I got holy. 
He said, could someone give me something to eat? Give me something to eat. And that's what happened. That's where we left off the last time we pick up our study this morning in verse 20. Look at Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 20. Saints, if you're with me, say amen. amen. Immediately, right after that, he preached the Christ in the synagogues. You see that? That he is the son of God. And then all who heard were amazed and they said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose? And so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. But Saul increased all the more. Underline that in your Bibles. Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving what saints that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days, in verse 23, were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. And then the disciples took him by night, and they let him down through the wall in a large basket. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. It's pretty amazing to me. I mean, give me your attention. Think about this. The one that Saul has been hating And causing people to curse, Saul is now, according to verse 20, Saul is now in the synagogues preaching that he is the son of God. Saul goes from persecutor to preacher, from persecutor to preacher. You know what that tells me and should tell you? Don't ever give up hope on people. Don't ever give, you know, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of people, met a lot of people in my life that I thought were like the worst They are the worst of the worst of the worst. There is no way God can save them. We've all met people like that, that they are really, really bad. But, you know, that's the very one that God wants to save. And that's the very one that God wants to reach. So you don't ever want to give up on anyone. Saul goes from persecutor to preacher. Now, as I said, he was three days in darkness, three days blinded, as I told you. And don't you think about this. Had you ever taken the time to wonder what he was thinking about during those three days of blindness? Think about this. The last thing that he saw before he went blind was a bright light. And he saw the glory of the Lord. And he, and he heard the Lord say, I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. That's the last thing he saw before he went blind. And so he's sitting there in darkness, and I believe he probably saw Stephen's face. He's probably thinking of all the stuff that Stephen said in his sermon before he was stoned. And think about the theology. Listen to me close. Think about the theology that must be churning on the inside. His world has been turned upside down, and all of his learning is being put through a different grid now. You got to remember, see, we think about Saul and we think of mighty man and he was saved and he knew a lot of scripture. He did know a lot of scripture, but he knew it from a Pharisee's point of view. You got to understand when you become a Christian, you have to unlearn many things in order to learn those things that God wants to teach you as a believer. Somebody say amen. amen. Saul was a new Christian. He had to go learn everything. He had to start from the beginning, just like all of us. He had to unlearn everything and begin to learn and grow as a Christian. And to learn the things that God wanted to teach him. His theology is being put through a different grid. His world has been turned 
upside down. And I just got to wonder, did he think about, was it at that point, did he say in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that liveth within me. And the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is it possible that he thought of that during these three days of darkness you know, he had to be wondering at that time, what was going to happen next? Am I going to be burned at the stake? He didn't know what was going to happen to him. Am I going to be crucified? What are these wacko, crazy Christians? I don't know what they're going to do to me. He doesn't know. Well, he's sitting now, healed, filled with the spirit. He is sitting now in the synagogue and he's saying, listen, guys, he's speaking to his brethren He's speaking to other Pharisees, Jewish people. And he says, listen, I'm telling you, I was wrong. I've been wrong for a long time. I've been searching the scriptures. And I'm telling you that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of God. This is what the Bible says. And everyone, according to the scriptures that heard him, were amazed. And they said, what is this? What is this guy doing? Isn't that the serial killer from Jerusalem? They're they're perplexed. They're wondering. All this preaching stuff, they're thinking is just a cover. He's come to kill us, they said. But Saul continued to preach Jesus and confounded the Jews in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the very Christ, that Jesus is the very Messiah. And then look at verse 23 in your Bible. After some days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. After many days. Now, how many days is many days. I'll tell you, we know exactly how many days is many days. Taking notes, write this in the margin of your Bible. 1,095 days. 1,095 days is three years. Paul's talking about a time of three-year period where he was in the desert of Arabia. I had you put your finger in Galatians. Turn there now to Galatians chapter 1 and look at verse 14 Through 18, this is what he says about these many days after many days in verse 14. You there say amen. I advanced in Judaism, he says, beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my father. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not notice immediately confer with flesh and blood, and nor did I go to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went where, saints? To Arabia and returned to where? Damascus. And then after what? Three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see who? Peter, and remained with him for how long? Fifteen days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. So we know. Saul got saved in Damascus, and then he went to Arabia. Now note this. After being a brand new Christian and sharing Christ in the synagogues, notice this. Watch this. Listen to me close. Give me your attention. Brand new Christian sharing Christ in the synagogues. You would think that God would say, okay, Paul, you Paul, Saul, you got this. You're, you're a good student. Go now into the ministry. Go preach to your brethren. Because there's a lot of folks to be saved. 
You would think God would do that. No, that didn't happen that way. He was a new Christian sharing Christ in the synagogue, and God takes him into the desert of Arabia for three years. For three years. Now, there are a lot of people in seminaries around the country even that will offer you a DD. You know what a DD is? In seminary, that's a doctorate of divinity. You can get a doctorate of divinity. Well, listen, Paul had a DD as well, but it was a doctrine of the desert. Amen. He spent three years in the desert. Do you know that God, I find that God likes to give his people a desert education. Did you know that? You see, and and why? Because God, listen to this, watch this, God uses a desert education to prepare you for the ministry and for the work he has for you to do. God uses that. You see, if you're going to be used by God, you got to get your DD. You know, the world said you need a BA, you need an MBA, you need a PhD, you need a DVD. God says you need a DD. That's a doctorate of the desert. When God is preparing a man or a woman, listen very closely. God has to put you in the desert. How do you know? Why do you say that, Rodney? Well, search the scriptures. You'll see that the men that God used, the men that God used for a mighty calling, God prepared them in the desert. And then they came forth. And they were prepared and ready to be used of God. You know the story in Moses. Moses spent 40 years in the backside of the desert. God sent Abraham from Ur to the desert. David spent time in the hillsides, quiet and alone. Elijah and many of the other prophets spent time in the desert. And it won't be any different for you, saints. If you're going to be used of God, you're going to have to get your DD. Why? Listen, very important. It's in the desert. It's in this time of isolation in the desert that God gives revelation. Write that down. It's in the time of isolation that God gives revelation. He reveals himself. It was in the time that Paul was in Arabia in this dark and and lonely and dry, isolated place that God began to teach him many things. It's in the time of isolation that God gives revelation. You know that when I first came here, and I don't know, perhaps I've told you this in the past, but when we first came here, and guys, I'm going to tell you something. God has been faithful to Calvary Chapel in these 10 years. You need to clap your hands for the Lord. God has been faithful in these 10 years. I'm so I'm excited about what God has done. You know, when you talk about what the Lord has done and the faithfulness of God, I am so excited what God has done. Look, who am I? God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I don't need to hear any amens right there. God's been faithful 10 years. When we came here 10 years ago, I got to tell you something. Our lives personally was a wreck. Not maritally with Elvira and I, because we have always had a wonderful marriage, and she's the most wonderful woman ever on the planet. Y'all make sure y'all tell her I said that. Give her the CD. But personally, I mean, our family, friends, kids, 
Oh, our lives were terrible. And, and honestly, I'll tell you something. For two or three years in my life personally, before coming here, it, we came here just totally by faith, not knowing what God was going to do, not understanding, having all of these kind of desert-like feelings and isolation and lonely. It was a terrible time in, in, in our lives and, 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 and with, with family and friends and even some aspects of ministry. It was dry and a lonely time. And I didn't really realized at that time. Now I know because looking back, hindsight really is 2020. And now looking back, I'll tell you, I, I didn't realize that God had enrolled me in watching sand blow 101. <laughs> Say amen if you understand. It was desert-like, man. It was terrible. But it was also a time where spiritually, though my outward man perished, my inward man is renewed daily, it was also a time where I was growing like a weed. I guess if I was in the desert, it'd be more like a tumbleweed. But I was growing. And, and, and so it was in the time of isolation that God gave me revelation. And that's how God works. God works just that way. You see, for God, listen, timing is everything. Perhaps you feel like God has called you to ministry. Perhaps you feel like God has a plan and a purpose and a call on your life. Listen, timing is everything everything in the kingdom. Timing is just as important. Watch this. Timing is just as important as the calling. And so often we get so caught up in the calling. You see, God called me and and, and now you're going to run. You know, people get, you know, we've heard of people getting saved in the church and next week they're like a minister. It's like, well, what happened with that? Remember that happened with a was that Holyfield? I heard Holyfield just got saved and he was a minute. Was that, was that Holyfield? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Was that Holyfield? Oh, y'all know. And it was uh, Leon, that's it, him too. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, we get so caught up, guys, don't we? We get so caught up in the call. Listen, God may truly have called you, but you must wait for God to send you. You must wait. Timing is everything. Patience. Patience. Timing is everything. Listen to this story. The story is told of a little boy who went to see a farmer one day, and he wanted to buy a big watermelon. That will be $3, said the farmer. Well, the boy replied, I only have 30 cents. Well, the farmer pointed to a very small watermelon in the corner and said, well, how about that one? The boy said, I'll take it and I'll leave it on the vine and I'll come back in a month to get it. (laughs) He wanted to leave it there. Let it grow. Amen. Timing is everything. You see, Jesus redeems us. But sometime, watch this. He leaves us on the vine for a while before he can use us. And we need to remember that Saul is no different and you are no different. If you're going to be used of a Lord, then that time of preparation is so very important. Don't run too quick. Saints, God is into depth. And you can't build the depth that you need for ministry until you have those desert isolated experiences. Remember, it's in the isolation. If you don't get nothing else I'm saying this morning, you get this. It's in the isolation that God will bring what saints? Revelation. This is important. 
So don't get discouraged. You, oh, man, this is awful out here. I hate it out here. It's so dry and barren, and I feel unfruitful. Well, you probably are unfruitful right now, but there's a time and a season for everything. Psalm 1, you plant yourself by the rivers of living water, and in due season, you will bring forth fruit. And sometimes, saints, this ain't your season. So chill out. It's going to be okay. You understand? Say amen. Amen. It's going to be okay. So Saul returns from Arabia, and now he has more power than ever. They're watching and waiting to kill him at the gate. But then a disciple took him by night, and they let him down by the wall in a basket. They let him down by the wall in a basket. Y'all know I can't resist this. This is the first mention of basket case. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. It's right there. I mean, think about this. He didn't come into Damascus the way he thought, and he didn't leave the way he thought. He came in blind and led by the hand, and he left over a wall in a basket. What does that tell us? God's ways are certainly not our ways. Isn't that true? Well, look at verse uh, 26. Get back in Acts, Acts 9. Look at verse 26. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him. I would be too. I don't know you. And they didn't believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him. Notice Barnabas. Old Barney. He's a comforter. Barnabas took him and they brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And so he was with them at Jerusalem coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord and disputed against the Hellenists. But they attempted to kill him. The Hellenists, see, those are the same guys that came against Stephen. Don't you remember that? It's almost like Saul is kind of picking up the ministry and the mantle of Stephen. They disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. And when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him home. Tarsus is his hometown. And then the churches throughout all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace, and they were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord and in comfort of the Holy Spirit, and they were multiplied. Isn't that awesome? After conversion, an awesome conversion, courageous stand for Jesus, dodging, you know, attempts to kill him in years of training, now the people on the same team, they reject him. The other guys wanted nothing to do with him. And then Barnabas, he's a great brother. You should study his life. He's a great brother. His name means son of encouragement. He brought him to the apostles, and they didn't trust him. But Galatians chapter 1 verse 18 tells us that he stayed with Peter for 15 days. Notice that. And then in verse 29 in your Bibles, notice it tells us that Paul spoke boldly in the name of the Lord and to the Hellenists. They came against him. And when the brothers heard about it, they slapped a return to sender, if you will, label on him. And they sent him by boat up the Mediterranean to Tarsus, as I mentioned, which is his hometown. And it's there in his hometown that he stays approximately eight to ten years, most likely studying the Bible, of course, and making tents and certainly sharing the Lord. And then the churches had rest. In other words, the church had peace and purity and power, and the church had progress as they multiplied. Now look at verse 32. 
And it came to pass as Peter went through all the parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden for eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus, the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. And then he arose immediately. And so all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. This guy, Aeneas, give me your attention, is paralyzed for eight years. I mean, imagine that. And Peter comes to town and Aeneas is well known. We don't know why he's well known, but he is. Peter walks in and says, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Now, in the Greek language, this is very interesting because it reads more like this. Aeneas, Jesus is now healing you. In other words, the Greek language seems to imply that Peter could see Jesus healing him at that moment. That's the implication there. And then Peter said to him, he said, arise and make your bed. That must have been good news for this guy because he hadn't arisen and made made his bed in eight years. That's good news. I like that. That's something we say to our kids. Arise and make your bed. Say amen, parents. Amen. We got some kids that haven't made their bed in eight years. What are you, paralyzed? I'll give you a nickname, Aeneas. Get down here, Aeneas. Then get back up there and make that bed. Be kind of a cool plaque in the room, wouldn't it? Like right there, right over the door, you know, in the room. Arise and make your bed. I think I'm on to something, y'all. I'm going to be rich. Look, let me tell you something. If folk can buy a Chia Pet and somebody can get rich, I can get rich with a a plaque like that. I know it. My people with me? You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.